You're listening to The S-Rank on the Triple S Studios Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of The S-Rank Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm your host, William. And today, our special guest is each other, because <laughs> really, that is the most valuable uh, guest you can have is someone who you consider your best friend oh someone that oh shut up um (laughs) (laughs) someone that basically um you can do these kinds of cool projects with so yeah we'll just be kind of talking today about like why (laughs) yeah yeah, why just period (laughs) yeah why period uh how we'll be answering our own questions of should we stop? Should we not stop? I, I, I don't... Yeah. Um, anyways, William, I was the one that asked you back in 2019. 18? I think it might have actually been 18 when we first initially uh, mentioned this idea. It's like three years ago. Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and back then it was known as A Game Studios. Yeah. <laughs> A Game Studios. And um, the reason that we changed it from A Game Studios is because we went to the Canadian trademark database. And <laughs> um, yeah, sure enough, there was uh, an actual A Game Studios uh, somewhere in Ontario. But, anyways, we to the missed, point. <laughs> we missed the name by a month. <laughs> yeah oh right yeah that was the so trademark sad. actually renewed um it was uh april of that year april 2019 i think april 2019 <laughs> and yeah we missed trademarking it by a month anyways when i initially approached you with what i wanted to do what was the selling point for you to come and be like yeah sure let's do this youtube sort of thing yeah, I had always wanted to do some sort of uh, media of that kind. Like, I really, I love video games. I've been around them my entire life, and I've always watched tons of YouTubers playing these games, too. I'm like, okay, well, I want to do that. Um, so when you came to me with the idea of actually doing that, I'm like, okay, here's finally my excuse to stop being lazy and actually do it. And that that is pure and simple the appeal of it it's just an excuse for me to actually do it yeah for sure uh, the project has changed and evolved sort of over the years uh, from the initial idea of just making um youtube videos because my vision for it at first was like okay i want to do something that celebrates the women of gaming because there's lots of nintendo okay Say what you will about Nintendo, but they put out, like, iconic queens every few years. That's very true. And I was just like, I have to talk about this. I have to talk about all the women in gaming, and I'm going to make a YouTube series about it. And thankfully, you were interested, and I didn't have to be alone in that. (laughs) (laughs) We're still kind of doing this sort of thing with our um, upcoming project, Platinum Dames, which I am so happy to uh have brooke mccarthy join us yeah brooke was a friend of ours in high school she was in the theater program with me were you in the theater program you know that's that's funny everyone thinks i'm a theater student and i've actually never been in theater until after i graduated and then brooke's also a part of this 
Um, another group of my close friends from high school had started a theater company called Coffee House Theater Society. Right. And I was in their founding act for my debut performance, and I had never acted before. I played uh, Algernon Moncrief. Oh, yes. And uh, that was very fun. It was an incredible time for me, um, especially since I had never acted before. That was really, really instrumental in getting me to be comfortable with doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening to this, Syra, I appreciate you in every way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do too, Syra. I honestly, Syra has done so many theater things and I have been meaning to be a part of them for a long time. It's just, it hasn't happened yet. And I, I, I promise, I promise, I swear it will. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously though. That play was back in, here we are talking about theater. This is supposed to be a games <laughs> podcast. Anyways, um, <laughs> that play was back in 2019. Oh my God. I think it might've been 2018. Like, like the summer, the summer after graduation, I think. Oh, oh. Yeah, crazy, right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. And then 2019, and I think it's October 2019 is when we finally get the guts to send Steve Golson an email and ask him to be on our show. Yeah, that sounds right. And it wasn't a show back then, really. It was part of... I pitched it to him as a YouTube docuseries where we talk about the iconic women of gaming. And, of course, this is before he was on his documentary series. So it was just, like, he was very willing and, like, entertained by the idea that there's just, like, these two high school graduates that care about Miss Pac-Man. And we were just as equally as honored to have him talk to us because this was just, like wow, we actually have a reputable person in the industry willing to talk to us now. And I think that was the moment that I was just like, okay, we have something now. How can we run with this? And how can we turn this into a bigger thing? And sort of where that went was nowhere for the next year because I... Uh, had been accepted into the game writing program at Vancouver Film School. And then uh, you were going to KPU. Did you start at KPU in 2019 or 2020? I believe it was the winter semester 2019. Yeah. So we had that interview with Steve Golson, and then we couldn't really do anything because school was, it was, it was just, the biggest part of our life at that point. Um, I, at that point, I was sort of just like, I was very not scared of going to post-secondary, but just like, how am I going to find something that I really want to do? And when I went to VFS, it was very much like all of the questions for me of like, where my career path could go would be answered there and honestly it was just one day where i was just like scrolling for schools to go to and i found vfs they had the whole description of the program there learn to write games 
and I was just like, okay, done. I'm sold. And I, <laughs> I literally, I sent my application in the next day and I think they were closing applications that weekend and it was like already Friday. Ooh, close. I was, just, I was just like, um, oh man. So I, I sent in the application um, and I, I freaking went to a game writing school. Like that just like, the fact that I'm graduated now is kind of insane to me. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, you went fast. You you went full force right through that uh, entire program and came out the end swinging. I know, I know. Now. It's it's like <laughs> sometimes you just gotta sit on your ideas for a long time, and then when the moment comes, you'll know. And for me, graduating was that moment. I was just like, okay, we gotta get. Uh, we got to re- first rename A Game Studios <laughs> to Triple S Studios, which my I arguably think is a better name. And then, yeah, I think so too. And then yeah, and then just like get our interview with Steve up there, and then start reaching out to guests. And here we are, and that's exactly what we're doing. We have a couple of guests in our queue for next week and the week after that Mm -hmm. we can't talk about yet, but it's very exciting. But anyways, I've been rambling about my school for a while. Um, Can you tell me about what you do at your journalism school? Because I feel like you do every which sort of thing over there. I feel like some of it's podcasting. I feel like some of it is just like real investigative stuff. What is it that you find the most challenging at your school and what is it that you really want to accomplish from being there effectively all i was doing was learning the basics of journalism and then uh how to best tell a story over an audio medium like we're doing now um but really the most challenging part for me was uh trying to find where my niche would be like what i'm good at in writing for uh, an outlet like that. I really haven't done any journalistic uh, endeavors like you have on Medium, which is funny because I'm the journalism major. (laughs) Um, See, that's how I feel sometimes. I literally, sometimes when I am, like, I'm about to go to bed or, like, I just blank out, I'm just like, did should me and William have gone to each other's schools instead? Like, honestly... (laughs) like i'm not even joking like seriously i think about that so much like you are one of the most creative writers i know thank you and you literally no seriously you make like like you have so many D &D characters and so (laughs) many ideas for campaigns and it is mind-boggling to me that some sometimes they're improv campaigns and you just like go with it um at vfs they taught me how to make modules uh for 5e which is cool but i the whole time i was thinking damn like william should really be here instead (laughs) like william should be taking this course and i was writing game articles as you mentioned for medium for this amazing publication called super jump which i actually discovered during my unreal engine course which i I should have been paying attention to what i was learning (laughs) instead (laughs) um but like i i you know yeah i feel like i feel like if i had gone to journalism school i could i don't know i could i could be at a 
you know, doing a gaming publication and you could literally be writing for yes. like we we might we, just have to to just do each other's courses after we're all finished up doing whatever we need. We'll just <laughs> We'll just switch resumes at one point. Yep. Nobody will notice. No one knows. Yeah, fine. we're good. <laughs> oh. I have actually never made a module, now that you're bringing that up. And I, I, I saw your stuff once you were all finished. That That's just, it's incredible the amount of work that people put into that stuff. And I'm, I'm very used to uh, playing D&D and writing for groups of people that very much like to tell stories as well. Um. And yes, I'm bringing you up again, Syrah. Uh, I I have a b- wonderful, wonderful group of D and D players. A couple groups actually, but in particular, previously my Wednesday group um, has a bunch of art students in it, particularly acting students who love improv. And uh, oh my goodness, you guys just make my day every single time i play with them it is just an adventure i get to sit there half the time and just listen to them talking in character and it is oh it's just special (laughs) Uh, playing a campaign with you i've only done it like a handful of times but you do just like you have a way of really immersing everyone at the table into whatever world that you have created and that's just like like i suppose you can practice that like you can practice acting but like that is just like something that is innate like being a good storyteller i think is something that people are just like gifted at like steve oh my goodness steve is incredible i (laughs) just a side note oh my goodness talking to him was incredible i'm just bringing that up again he's such a good storyteller (laughs) and he was an amazing guest because i would ask this question and he he wasn't afraid to correct me on a a few things um you'll notice that um when you listen to episode one but like i would ask him like vague questions about the timeline and he would really just like break it down this happened in may this happened (laughs) the next month play-by-play the play-by-play and it's it's awesome because all of the miss pac-man stuff happened back in the 80s and it's really cool to have that first recording of game history right here on our show because like i said it was before uh the Netflix reached out to him for high score and we really felt at that moment that we had this like niche not maybe never before heard story but we our goal was to like publicize it and like make people know about this piece of history that we had and really preserve it I think that was also one of the one of the uh, main reasons that I wanted to start this whole thing is because, you know, we have to preserve the history of games because for film, it's not the case, but for games, uh, we literally have witnessed the beginning of modern video gaming in our, not in our lifetimes, obviously, we're we're uh, very young people, we're very young people, but uh, just a bit before, right, like the... Uh, the 70s and 80s we saw the uh the big upturn absolutely where it really took off like crazy yeah um 
we were very grateful to have him on. And um, the next guests that we have on are, we're talking to them about a few more modern games, but uh, they have some pretty valuable experiences. Um, and I want to, I really want to talk about them, but I really can't because it'll ruin the surprise. Um, there's lots, I used to work at EB Games and I have friends from there. If I told them who the guests, if I announced the guests right now, I'm pretty sure most of them would freak out. Um, <laughs> because this person is from a game that most of them really enjoy. Um, anyways, speaking of games, what are your favorite video games? Like we've been talking about D&D. I think it's we have to get this out there. Favorite video games of all time. Oh. Well, I I always have such an issue with this because I am such a flip-flopper when it comes to my favorites cuz I love so many games. Um but I did have a list that was put out on Twitter, one of those uh chainmail things right. that I responded to. I tagged you in that, right? Yes, you did. Um I'm going to bring up one in particular right off the bat because no mm. one knows about it and I need people to talk about That's it. That's what we're all about. Spectrobes. <laughs> all right. Okay, you're right. I have not heard about that. Spectrobes. <laughs> <laughs> you played as this uh orange-haired protagonist um and you have to find these different fossils for these ancient alien creatures and you'll put them into a machine to clean them up and it was on the ds so you would take your stylus and you would drill out all the extra rubble and uh, the dust and you dust it off and polish it and you put into a machine that would bring it back to life um and then you would fight with them so it had a little bit of a pokemon aspect to it but there were three games to my knowledge there was Two on DS and one on the Wii, and I cannot stop beating myself up over the fact that I sold all three of them. And the collection now, last time I checked, was way too expensive to buy. Um, but that is one of my favorite games of all time, and it was an incredible little game that you could carry around. They had all these little uh, unlockable cards where you would tap in the right parts of the screen, uh on the incubator menu or whatever it was, and you'd get a, a legendary creature of some sort. And it was, oh, uh, I have a lot of nostalgia for that game. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you and I both really, we grew up in the era of the DS and the Wii. And um, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how quickly game history moves, where, like, the DS and the Wii are considered, like, older consoles because we move in generations right and like it's vivid memories really of me playing wii and ds games like especially like original nintendo ds cartridges just like hiding in my room um you know after on a school night when lights are supposed to be out there i am with my pokemon diamond um hoping that my mom doesn't here um because yep. i i cranked the music up because i could had to. i had to it was just <laughs> i you know and i really think that there's just like a style associated with ds games in general that you just 
can't replicate on the Switch Not with or the in 3D anything that they're doing today. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're both suckers for pixel art games. Really, really. Oh, the sprite work was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have uh, a special place in my heart for one 3D Pokemon game, and that's Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. I don't know why I like like only obscure games or games that aren't like mainstream. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> The whole idea of the the shadow Pokemon that they had there and purifying or, like, cleansing them and stuff like that. Oh, my goodness. I, I remember uh, getting on the computer and there was um, Shadow Lugia was, like, the main uh, legendary Pokemon of that game. It was, like, the plot line, the driving force. And yeah. I remember going online and seeing all these, like, crazy theories, like, oh, you know, L is real from Nintendo 64's uh, Mario 64, right? We had all these people saying, oh, you can purify Shadow Lugia. That was, like, the whole thing. Um, because uh, his shadow powers or whatever were supposed to be uh, uncleansable. And I don't actually remember whether or not it was actually true. <laughs> Oh my god, I remember so many of those uh j- those just like rumors of like, oh yeah, did you know that you can you can fight uh you could rematch Team Galactic after you beat the the main game? Yeah. And <laughs> just like all those things are just like, yeah, if you if you wake up at 3 in the morning and you <laughs> uh you you fly to the spear pillar or whatever, you could go and fight Cyrus or you could go and see Red will be there or whatever. And I was just like, no way. Really? Like you're just so imp- <laughs> so um naive and just like it's such a good time because you could tell anyone anything about the games and they would just believe it (laughs) you know it it was it was the time of easter eggs right like we there was so much to think about and to look for yeah i mean not to say that games these days aren't like ridiculously loaded with easter eggs because i know tons of them are um but like something about finding Easter eggs in like a little pixel art game is just so it's so special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially back when it was hard to find information online of where these things are. You'd come across it on your own and it would be like this huge moment for you. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh my gosh, wait, I, I know what that's from. That's Legend of Zelda and so and so other game. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can't even imagine what it was like before our generation just like on the older systems like finding easter eggs like that like for say in like an nes game or something older than that it's just i i i love games dude (laughs) i love them (laughs) there it's it's just an it's a never-ending fountain of just different experiences it's really valuable it really is um continuing on for favorite games I, I know you've got one in particular that holds a very special place in your heart. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you love so much about Bayonetta? Oh, my God. Um, Bayonetta, right? She is seven feet tall, if not taller. <laughs> she wears heels. She has four guns, two in her hands, and two on her feet. She stars in her own game where she literally dances in order to kill enemies and i think 
the first time I heard about her was actually and I'm going to I'm going to get roasted for this was during the Smash 4 reveal and that was the first time I heard about her. I didn't <laughs> know about her back when I was 9 years old in 2009, which is when her game came out. Um I wish I had, <laughs> but um yeah, I heard about her from the Smash reveal. By then Bayonetta 1 and 2 had come out. Um and obviously from that point I was just like who is this iconic godlike woman entering one of my favorite games of all time and i looked her up i my i went to eb games with my friend rachel at the time who was i i think she was she was 18 or 19 and i was <laughs> i was probably like 16 or 17 and i was just like rachel I will give you the money. You have to buy me Bayonetta. <laughs> and so we went there. It was like right before they were closing, right? And I was just like, I would like to buy Bayonetta, please. And then the guy just kind of, he kind of looked at me and chuckled. I think he sold it to me without needing Rachel's idea or anything anyways. <laughs> anyways, so I started to play the game and I was a bit confused at first because I it was like probably my first real sort of actually I'd played Hyrule Warriors before but um it was probably my first like real like hack and slash action game that was you know it was graphic and I I was living for it I was just like I couldn't get enough of it the cutscenes, the character designs the voice actors I was just like I I couldn't as as a gay person I was just like this is this is like a this is like a drag show. This is like this means so much to me to see this kind of like extravagance and just like badassery in video games. And I so I played through the first and second game and she was just like it was it was so special to me. And yeah, I I I really just never I never stopped liking Bayonetta. It's it's one of my favorite games of all time. I think the soundtrack is phenomenal. Really, it's 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 a masterpiece of a game. If you uh, have any like uh, doubts about playing the game just because of the um, potentially explicit content, I just say if you're old enough, obviously, go for it because it's weird enough that even if you experience it one time through, if you play the first game once through and then you beat it, and then you're done, and then you never play it again, you can at least have that experience. You're just like, wow, that was that was really something. And I, I will probably never play another video game quite like that. I feel like that's such a, a really valuable piece of advice there, too. Play the game all the way through, even if you have doubts about the game. I've always... Uh, I'll start a game... And I want to finish it. I want to know how the whole thing is before I critique it or say anything about it. Yeah. Because um, you never know when you're going to get, like, a viewpoint-changing experience from a game. Like, um, this is a mm -hmm. weird one. I was really skeptical about Dishonored when it first came out because I I'd never played games in that genre. I remember that. Or anything like that. And, um playing that game the whole way through i'm like okay well uh from now on i'm just going to play every game i get my hands on all the way through because that was an experience <laughs> the i don't know the mobility the 
action of it, people can be so incredibly creative once they're given uh, a couple new tools to work with. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's very rare when you do end up playing a full game through. And even if it was, like, not a great experience, I've never really felt that, like, oh, my God, that was such a waste <laughs> of my life. Never. It's, it's just, like, I played it through and I'll know, you know, I'll know for next time, maybe think twice before buying the sequel or just like, you know, wait until I get a peer review. But if, yeah, if you do start a game, finish it, you know, I won't lie. Like I was not crazy about Astral Chain, which was also put out by Platinum Games, um, but I wanted to play it because, you know, they made Bayonetta. I played it and I it was just not my game. I could see that it was very well done and the art design was just amazing. But something about the combat between that game and Bayonetta, I just it was it was too much it was too different. It it was just like not fluid enough for me. And I'm sure I'm I'm probably like the only outlier with this problem. I'm sure many people like enjoyed the combat and I just never got it. But um, I still played it the whole way through because I wanted to see everything. I wanted to, you know, give it as much of a chance as I possibly could. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think, yeah, playing a game the full way through is just very, very valuable. Hey everybody, it's William. I hope you're having as much fun listening to these as we are making them. If you are, consider giving us a follow over on Twitter and Instagram at the S Rank Podcast. We are also doing a giveaway right now for Cyberpunk 2077. All of our giveaway rules are on our website, triplestudios.ca. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, if any of you are interested in us doing a D&D podcast, let us know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I know for the S-Rank, I've reached out to some guests that, even though D&D isn't the, might not be their main gig, um, they are just like, they've been playing it their whole lives and they're like masters at it. And um, so <laughs> I'm really counting on you because I'm still a bit of a D&D newbie myself. Um, I'm really counting on you to pull out all the D&D questions. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I really enjoy it. Um, I get nervous as hell when I'm DMing. Um, what is your advice for just like being more confident in yourself for DMing? Yeah. Um, just do it. Like, like straight up just don't stop talking just keep talking all the time and that sounds really dumb but I'll, I'll break it down a little bit more you need to get comfortable just saying things because once you have that confidence and being able to just continue adding details on you just need to write you need to talk you just need to have people tell stories to you experience things i've been trapped in a little town for the majority of my life most of my life was escaping in fiction so i love providing that same escape for anyone around me 
really, for me, DMing is all about giving others this area to do what they want to do as someone that they aren't. I, I think just working on your confidence, telling stories is the number one thing for me. Absolutely. Amen. Um, when you did bring up living in a small town for a large part of your life, um, I was also thinking about uh, your, uh, basically, your <laughs> museum, your zoo that you have uh, in your house. Um, <laughs> yes. Do you, okay, give us the rundown. How many? Which? What species? What do you got? Like, right. I tell before you what I tell you guys, like, seriously, going over to William's house, you open the door. It's like you're literally walking into like, <laughs> I not even like a store. You're walking into like a, a an um, aquarium, a, a zoo. It's just like so, <laughs> so many animals everywhere. And it's so awesome. Just like going in and like seeing all. All sorts of different kinds of animals when you walk in. Um, yeah, I we've downsized within the last year because of COVID. It's a little hard to keep everything up. Pre-COVID, I had all right. Let's see, top of the order: a rabbit, a pineapple conure, which is a little parrot. Um, I had thirteen fish tanks at the peak. Um, two dogs and a cat. I had a couple wild birds that really liked me, if you want to count those. Of course we count those. <laughs> um, uh, three betas. Okay, is this, a Mand- is this a Mandela effect, or did you have a scorpion? I Oh, that's right. I had two red cave claw scorpions, or uh, oh my God. cave claw emperor scorpions, whatever you want to call them. I had two salamanders. I've only got one now. One of them passed, sadly. Um, oh. And I'm currently looking after a friend's tarantula, but I'm pretty sure it's my tarantula now. (laughs) (laughs) Just judging by uh, the uh, time I've had the tarantula. Um, But yeah, we we definitely had a bit of a zoo. It's a lot more manageable now. We've got three fish tanks down from 13. (laughs) A lot easier to work with. I'd imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. We could really, though, just like make a whole episode about how many animals you've had over the years. Yeah. Just because like, I'm sure the like the entire list, like since you were born is probably like gigantic. (laughs) So COVID, you know, lots of people have dedicated a lot, large amount of time on their podcast to just talk about how they've been living in COVID. Personally, I don't like talking about it that much because <laughs> I've just been sitting here every day working on Triple S. Like literally, my day is I wake up, I, I get out of my bed, I go three feet to the computer, I spend the entire day on the computer until like one in the morning, then I go back to bed. Like that is that is it. That is the routine. You still work, though. I do still work, but uh, I go to work, do my work, come back. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go take a shower, relax for a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to edit, so uh, I'm going to go do that. And then I'll sit on the computer editing until like 4 a.m. And uh, I'll take the occasional break. I'll play some 
computer games of some sort, like League or Monster Hunter. Um, and then I'm right back to editing, and I go to bed, or I'll fall asleep at my desk and ruin my mic setup because I'll crush it. <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like, I haven't played video games in a while because I've been so occupied with triple s but my boyfriend loves playing <laughs> my boyfriend loves playing animal crossing so when whenever i do get like a lunch break or i, I decide oh you know it's about five o'clock maybe i should eat breakfast <laughs> <laughs> i go and my boyfriend's usually playing animal crossing so that's been a really good use of my time i i did mention animal crossing in an article uh i contributed to on medium uh it's the 2020 super jump games of the year i wrote a little blurb and truly my 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 philosophy is that i don't think i would have been able to get through the entire year without new horizons like seriously yeah it, it is such a incredible serotonin generator <laughs> um, my only it's like my only source of social interaction besides when i'm on these kinds of calls with you for me covid has been pretty interesting because i don't actually remember what i've lost because <laughs> i've been what you've lost like like i don't remember what life without it was like at all i don't remember high school very well i i i oh. legitimately do not remember what life without covid is like god i feel that yeah no yeah it's just, it's just like everything i i remember okay i remember going to my first day of school right back in january 2020 before everything broke out i remember going to i, I remember going to classes in person and i remember my not so great commute it wasn't oh, I fantastic i went on the sky train all the time but and that was probably my last memory of being outdoors was literally going to school for two and a half months before they were like, okay, everything needs to shut down. You're not going to school anymore. And then the rest of the year was literally just like Zoom classes. Yeah, I I very, very much miss my in-person classes. It was, uh, I, I don't know, that was magical. My first couple of classes, in particular, uh, my English uh, class, I believe it was my literature class, that was an incredible class to be in, full of actual geniuses who I uh, I just want to listen to them talk all the time. I, I miss in class so much. It's just so good when you're a part of a course where you can tell that the other people there are just as invested as you are. Yeah. Not gonna lie, like, I probably couldn't have asked for a better group of students to be in the same uh, course with that year. I learned so many things about not just games, but, like, TV and film as well. And I got to read so many unique scripts. But I am actually going back to school uh, in March. Um, so hopefully by March, we have gotten most of the S rank out. And then um, during March, because I will have uh, limited time again to do Triple S, uh, we'll just be putting out episodes of our new podcast, The OST Room, by then. Um, and that one was your idea. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a bit about yes. what 
uh, our listeners can expect to hear on that? Yeah. Um, so I am hoping to do a podcast that highlights the composers and musicians, all these incredibly talented people behind the games that everyone loves. Um, for, for example... I recently became completely obsessed with Risk of Rain 2. And uh, Chris Christodoulou, oh my goodness, he is just incredible at what he does. I hadn't actually really listened to game soundtracks by themselves, like when I'm out on my walks or whatever I'm doing, right? Until I had started playing Risk of Rain 2, and I'm like, this is... I, I could just sit here on this level, listening to the soundtrack the entire time, and I think I'd be having a great time. Yeah, that ain't me. <laughs> I've literally, yep. like, ever, I've been listening to game soundtracks probably my whole life. Just, like, always... I would, like, pirate them onto my iPod Nano, and literally just, like... I, that, that'd be the only thing I listened to. I was actually... I, I was actually removed from what was in pop culture society. Like I didn't, I didn't know who the hell Lady Gaga was or Katy Perry or anyone during the 2010s because all I would listen to was the Mario Party 8 soundtrack. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> you know, I was such a weird kid. I never listened to actual music, only video game soundtracks. And you know what? I don't regret anything because I know about all those people now, but I still listen to my game soundtracks. And that's what it's really all about. Um, the OST room is just like listening to our favorites, right? And listening to the ones that maybe our listeners request um, will be basically like, I, I think how we might do it is we might not listen to the full soundtracks, but we might like choose the, highlight uh like the you know like the most important songs for each game and then just like spill out all our thoughts about it because each soundtrack tells a completely different story and there's just so much good music in video games just so there's much. not enough coverage on it i i think Absolutely it just not. it needs to be highlighted you you see all these posts on twitter and reddit whatever social media you use of these people like oh my goodness the soundtrack for this game is incredible but i don't know who wrote that soundtrack i i i exactly i don't see a name attached to it i want to know about the people behind it and uh the story behind the songs if there is yeah. one me too me too Anyways, the OST room will be coming out in hopefully March. Uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully March, uh, if not April. Um, and until then, we are going to keep feeding you episodes of the S rank uh, all the way through February. Um, hopefully we get an episode out every Saturday. That is our goal anyways. Um, and then we also have uh, Platinum Dames, which Brooke is helping me out with. Um, again, Brooke, if you're listening, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and that one is going to be uh, the original project I was talking about, which is uh, talking about the women in games and th their stories from their creation all the way to uh, the present right now, like where they stand in pop culture. Um, 
but I think this just about wraps up our second episode. I can't believe I'm saying that. Second episode of the S rank. Feels good. It feels incredibly good to be making these episodes f- on a regular basis. Uh, William, thank you not only for being on this episode with me, but for being my creative partner in all of this. I just have so much gratitude and respect for you. Thank you very much. And I would like to also thank you for just heading all of these. Like you, you are very professional and I don't think I could ever work on a project like this without someone as completely driven as you are. You get things (laughs) done and you like to see them finished. I, other than video games, I'm kind of lacking in that department. So you definitely <laughs> pick up all of my slack. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, you can catch us next week on Saturday. And we will be announcing the winner of the giveaway pretty soon. It'll be on uh, February 7th, I believe, is when we're closing uh, the giveaway. And we're going to announce the winner on february 8th so if you haven't joined it yet you can win cyberpunk 2077 just follow us at the s rank podcast on twitter or instagram you can enter either way um, and you can get bonus entries by either posting our giveaway post to your story or you can retweet it on instagram uh sorry on twitter um and i believe the giveaway rules are also up on our website triple If you guys have any questions for us, feel free to reach out to us on our social medias. We'd be happy to answer them. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you in the next episode.